This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 6th, episode 2592, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, you seem to have started another controversy, which you're good at, over in the auditor room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the serious topics you bring up that uh, lead to uh, over 100 comments on gray versus gray. And what I mean is not gray versus gray. Uh, I, what I, I mean is the spelling of gray versus gray. How do you so, spell a gray horse? So I was... Uh, listing, I, I posted a picture of Parker, my new gray horse that I just adopted from Horse and Hound. Um, and I did hashtag gray horse problems because he covered himself in mud. And I typed it out and I hit send. And then I was like, did I spell that right? So I went down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out how you spell gray horse. And so I Google it and it said gray, G-R-A-Y or G-R-E-Y. And then it goes, gives it, that was the Wikipedia. And then, so I posted that I need help figuring out how do you spell gray and uh, for a gray horse. And oh my God, people are really excited. <laughs> I thought it was a British American thing. I I mean, I, I never thought about it. I just but here's the thing, Lucas. Can you come here for a second? How do you spell the word gray? G R A Y. Say it in the microphone. G R A Y. Yeah. Oh, well, from the mouths of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's final now. That's it. <laughs> Contact Webster's. <laughs> but G R E Y, as I've always thought of it, like gray crayon is G R A Y, and a gray horse is G R E Y. And I didn't even think twice about it until I did it. There's different kinds of ways to spell gray. Look at him. I Smart know. little kid. Yeah, that's <laughs> G-R-E-Y and G-R-A-Y. Nice work, dude. Okay, you can play your iPad. Go ahead. That's <laughs> what he came up here to ask me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, that's, and I had never thought about it either. I think we just spend it, spell it one way or the other and we just do it. And they're both kind of right. Well, and then so I went on to the uh, jockey club. And I'm like, what do they call it? So I went to Equibase and I looked up the horse to see what Equibase has him listed as, right? And uh, it was not helpful, Glenn, because I went to this shot. I typed in his his registered name, which is Real of It. Okay, he's a grandson of Tappet, so there's going to be gray in there. So there's got to be gray. Do you know what they have Tappet listed as or Real Black. of It listed as? G-R slash R-O. <laughs> it's like they're avoiding the controversy too. G-R. That's what he is. So he's a grr. So what have we decided? 
We're going we're gonna to go with G-R-A-Y here, and in England we go with G-R-E-Y? You know, it's too fresh, Glenn. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. You know, we... I posted it on Shite Adventures Unite, that Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It hasn't been approved yet. So I'm, I, I want to know, like, internationally, I'm going to take a poll on that if they if they actually submit my post uh, and see what see what the world thinks. Well, we're going to have a, a British person on in a little bit, so we ought to ask her, too. Yeah. Uh, joining us today is uh, a fat pony. That's right. A fat pony halflinger from England who has developed quite a following. And our Black Reigns guest of the month is bull rider, author, financial planner, and baker. Abe Morris is going to be joining us. Plus, we have some announcements. Uh, about the Horse Radio Network and some weird news as well. Before we get to Daily Winnie's, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about a friend of the Horse Radio Network and an icon in the horse world. Uh, It was dressage legend and author Jane Savoy. Anybody that's ridden dressage at any time in their career has a Jane Savoy book. She, I, I'm not even a dressage rider, and I have a Jane Savoy book. There you go. I'm looking at her right now. I know. It, you know, she was also one of our first guests on uh, Horse Radio Network way back, 10, 12 years ago, and was always very kind to us. And I just spoke to her. I was friends with her on Facebook, and we would chat occasionally. And I spoke to her like two weeks ago because she had her, her first novel come out. Uh, and it just came out. I mean, just got done and just was published. And she was supposed to become coming on the show here this week or next week. Uh, But she has passed away. She's been fighting cancer for a while, and she just never got ahead of it. She'd been doing chemo, but she stayed positive the whole time. That's one thing about Jane is she was always a very positive person. But a lot of you, you know, you may, you may have heard the name, but not realized that uh, she was a reserve on the U.S. bronze medal team in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. She also, and a lot of people don't know this, she coached the Canadian three-day event team in Atlanta in 1996 and 2004 in Athens. So she, you know, she had uh, been a coach for a lot of years on eventers and dressage riders, obviously. Uh, She was admitted in the United States Dressage Federation Hall of Fame in 2019 with the description dressage icon. So you get that description icon of anything, you you know you've made it, right? Uh, and usually you don't get that designation to, to you have passed away. And she got it while she was still alive, which is kind of cool. She wrote nine books on coaching and uh, all different kinds of things. She did a million CDs and DVDs and videos and uh, got clinics around the world and everything. Um, and the new book is called, the novel is called Second Chances. She was so excited, and that's why we chatted, that she wrote a novel. Because all the books she had written up to that point had really been instructional books, coaching books. And she was so excited to finally, and always had wanted to write a novel, and she got it done before she passed away. But, uh, you know, another thing she was known for is she was an accomplished ballroom dancer. Uh, since, since the 1960s, she had been a ballroom dancer, and she's married to her husband for 47 years. Wow. Uh, she met him right after he got back from World War or the Vietnam War and had a Purple Heart. Uh, and uh, he had a degree in forestry. But uh, yeah, they were ballroom dancers for all those years. So uh, our, our. It says her first, the, this book that she just wrote is her first dressage inspired fiction novel called Second Chances. Yeah. That's right. So go out and buy it. I know my sister-in-law said she she contacted me yesterday and said, I just got that book. Uh, wow. So, yeah, our, our thoughts are with the family and the dressage world. I know they'll be doing something about this on the dressage show this week. So look for that as well. But uh, rest in peace there, Jane. All right. Daily Winnie time. This is because... 
I got in trouble once again. Yeah, so you did. Have to do Big trouble. A happy belated birthday to Katya Korsh, who had her birthday on Monday, and apparently I missed it, and she called me out on the auditor room, uh, and it was my fault this time. We are not friends on Facebook, but she was on the list the auditors made of birthdays, and I forgot to check the list. So, Katya, happy birthday. And she said I actually pronounced her name correctly, so you can't even bust my chops about that. Oh, good, but Jake Smith, you can What's that? I said you mispronounced Jane Smith, you know, but you can get Katya, right? What do you mean, Jane Savoy? <laughs> no, I just meant that was just a basic name. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Like, hi, my name is Steve Smythe. <laughs> like, what? Smith. <laughs> Katya is a, yeah, a cool name, too. I like Katya. Uh, I just wanted to send a uh, shout out and a daily Winnie to the listeners that are sending me um, all of the weird news because I, again, are today, they? They helping out. Yes, oh. they help out. And, um, even Charlotte down in Florida has time to send me weird news. So I've got weird news from Charlotte and Aaron. So thank you very much. And Aaron, yes, I am not totally sick of the monolith stories. So they God, fill they up my coming. news feed. <laughs> And we've got another one today in Weird News. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> they just keep showing up, and we still it's haven't figured that out yet. It's crazy. Well, I read a news story today about another monolith. For those who don't know, if you haven't seen the news, there's like these mysterious metal things that are em like embedded in the earth, and they're appearing all over the world. And no, I, I mean, obviously, they're aliens. Obviously, because uh, we haven't them. seen anybody putting them up. Except for the one I saw uh, in West Virginia, Glenn. Oh, no. West Virginia had a monolith. Do you know what it was made out of? <laughs> okay, it's West Virginia. It could be it's anything. It's West Virginia. It was <laughs> it made was out of still. <laughs> cardboard, cardboard and tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> cardboard and tinfoil. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's how, how they the, the aliens in West Virginia roll. <laughs> All right, I have a couple quick announcements for everybody. Uh, and I'm very excited about this. Y'all, uh, a lot of you have been asking about Samantha, who was my co-host on both of the World Equestrian Games shows, Samantha Clark. And I had chatted with her yesterday. She has moved back to England. She lived in Lexington for a long time and has now moved back to England. And she's going to be joining us on the second Wednesday of every month with a British horse report. So we we haven't had those since Victoria left us a long time ago to have babies. Uh, so Samantha is going to be taking her place and going to be joining us once a month. And you'll I know a lot of you will be happy to hear her voice back. And she's going to keep us up to date on what's happening in Great Britain with horses. Our European report. Yep. And I believe that we used to have an audio clip that said, no, it's time for the European report. It, and it was Samantha. It was Samantha doing it. I'll have so to you dig need that to find out. That. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for the reminder. I need to dig that out. Uh, and then also, uh, Stable Scoop is coming back. You know, I... For brief history for new listeners, the Stable Scoop show was our first podcast on the Horse Radio Network, started 12 years ago. Helena and I did it for a long time, then Helena left to do her own show uh, about two years ago, and I kept Stable Scoop going as a storytelling show, um, and that, that ended about six months to a year ago, actually. I think it was right when COVID started and we were doing other things. Uh, but Stable Scoop is coming back, and it's going to have a new format. I looked at all the shows on the network. We have a lot now. There's like 20 shows on the network, and I looked at what formats they were they were and we have a lot of interview shows and we have a lot of uh education shows and things like that and then we have goofy shows like this one uh but 
I mean, I mean, really hard hitting news reporting shows like this one. Yeah, I was about to say I was I was letting <laughs> I didn't see where that one went. <laughs> uh, but I, well, one of the things that was missing was a roundtable show, and we've done roundtables over the years on Stable Scoop, and I really like doing them. So it's now going to be the Stable Scoop show and Equestrian Roundtable. It's two times a month. What we're going to we're going to do it as video and audio. So it's going to be live video onto a bunch of different Facebook pages and YouTube. And then we're going to put the audio out on the Stable Scoop feed. I'll be the moderator. We're going to have two, or three panels actually. Uh, one is going to be an auditor, so one of our auditors or listeners is going to join us. And then we're going to have two HRN hosts or other people of import from the horse world are going of to join import. us. Yes, of import. Uh, and <sighs> each panelist is going to bring a couple of horse-related topics they want to discuss with the panel. So it's going to be an open discussion about topics that uh, the panelists bring to the table i would like to start the first one is it g-r-a-y or g-r-e-y there you go you have a whole because even my son says g-r-a-y although it can be spelled with an e that's true thank you i I always thought when it was related to horses it was spelled with an e but maybe that's because i've seen more british spellings i don't know uh so i love this type of show and it's going to get started next week so we'll announce when that is we're doing it live because it is a discussion show that way you can join us live and you can have a discussion right there in the comments about the topics that we're bringing up or ask questions or anything like that call names or argue call names that's right whatever you want to do there this you're just a glutton for punishment i know and we will talk about more serious topics we're not leaving serious topics off the table on this show uh we we tend to avoid those here uh but we'll be doing those there so stable scoop look for it coming back shortly and i'll make an announcement when it does uh one other thing and this involves a horse radio network show and um look you all need to if you like i'm bringing it up now because i want to get this correct this happened yesterday on the plaidcast uh, if uh, you and I'm gonna say her name wrong is Zasha, I think, and uh, she is a she is on the show with Kaylee Kuko, the flight attendant. Okay, she's her she's her cohort. There is also a severe horse girl like Kaylee. And so uh, they did an interview with her over on the podcast came out yesterday it was a special episode. Uh, I listened to it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And she's a lot of fun. And this puts us one step closer to getting Kaylee on our show, which is the whole reason, <laughs> <laughs> whole reason I brought it up. But she's delightful. And it was a really good interview. It's podcast uh, 211A. Uh, so check that out. Uh, have you watched The Flight Attendant yet? A lot of people like it. I haven't seen it yet. We don't. I have not watched it yet. I'm still making my way through about three other shows right now. So yeah, I'm not caught up either. Uh, Bridgerton, by the way, for those Do you interested. like it? Oh, my God. I haven't I started Bridgerton. it. I just watched the trailer and thought, oh, it's too squishy for me. I watched Bridgerton. No, it's not squishy at all. I watched Bridgerton, and then I finished it, and I started it over. That's how... But isn't it like the girls that are, you know, doing the whole getting husbands thing? It's, it's, it's a lot. It is, it is like that. And it's about a small little group of people that are trying to find husbands and how they did it back in the, you know, 1800s. And it's, um, it's coming some out points parties are shocking. and all that There's stuff. There's lots of horses. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the dude, God, the guy in the show. Yeah. Oh, that's why you watch it twice. Okay. Now we know. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was blushing. Are there horses and are they all Frisians? 
There are horses, mostly Frisians. <laughs> fake Winnies? Have they left those out? Or the... I don't. I didn't notice any fake Winnies, but I also can't seem to get past the guy. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest, you were looking more than listening. Then, uh, oh yeah. dear God, the costumes oh, are God. in it them, so they must have had a hell of a costume budget for that show. Uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, you know who has a budget for costumes is the people that are in the show, like the the, the families. They, they, uh, every new every weekend, there's a ball that they have to attend, and they have a you get a brand new dress for the ball. Oh my <laughs> god! It doesn't matter. That guy, it's amazing. They could all be naked. Nobody would be looking at them because the dude in the show is. And you ridiculous. didn't watch Downton Abbey. No, you didn't like Downton Abbey, but you I liked tried. this one. I fell asleep every Down Abbey I watched. Oh, I right. could do it. I'd crazy. love to. <laughs> that's just crazy. You had gotten a couple horses in training before we get to our first guest, uh, right before break. Are they still I there? You've been working with I them, or is it too snowy? Yeah, so I, I kind of I I went to Horse and Hound, and I've kind of been looking for one of my own horses. All year I've been looking for a horse just because I have – horses in training all the time, but I don't have my own horse. I have Zeus, but he's kind of, he has a job just helping me start the babies and things like that. And he, he can't really hold up to some s serious stuff anymore. So I've been looking for somebody to kind of bring along. And so I went to horse and hound. They'd just gotten two horses in from this particular, uh, breeder that I was, I've trained a lot of horses from this breeder and I, which we need to get them on the show because they're really interesting, um, how they start their babies. Um, and, and I really wanted to get one of theirs. So I, Nelda called me and she said, I had two come in from the Richter family trust. Would you like to come see them before I post them? And I'm like, hell's to the, yeah. So I go there and I look at the first one and he's this dapple gray and, and you know, the door, the stall door opens and he's kind of outside the stall in the sun. And I'm like, oh dear God. Like he looks like the man from Bridgerton. Like he's so hot. Like he's just an amazing looking dapple gray horse. And he was like, G-R-E-Y. Then he was G-R-E-Y. He is he's like -E foreign right and good looking. And, yeah. Know, and, yeah. And he's a grandson to tap it. And he's just, he's just fantastic looking and not, and not just gray. Like I don't care about the color. His confirmation is amazing. I walked right up to him. He's recently castrated. I walked right up and he put his head in my chest and I melted. And I was like, <laughs> I'll take him. And there was another one that I was there to look at too. And Abby was with me and my friend Larissa was with me. It's like, Hey, just look at the black one too. And we take the black one out. And oh my God, he moves like totally. I put him in the round pin and he was like this ridiculously amazing mover. So I didn't know what to do. So uh, Nelda said, well, just take them both. And so did Abby. And so did everybody said, take them both. And I'm like, y'all are not helpful. So they had recently been off the track. So I had to bring them home and just give them two to three weeks of downtime. And so this whole Christmas time, they've just been chilling with no shoes on and and relaxing. Well, the gray wasn't capable of keeping staying sound without any shoes. So I put some shoes on him and I started riding him. I've ridden him twice now. And, uh, I named him Peter Parker and That's he's the one amazing. You're keeping, isn't it? And I have to keep him yeah, because yeah. we love each other. <laughs> and so the black horse is also amazing. A little bit, a lot more horse, like he's five and he raced, he was on the track for three years. He only raced like nine times and he won like $90,000. So big time racehorse, but is a phenomenal mover. And so 
I, he is now in training. So it was like, keep one and put the other one in training. So he is now in training and I have somebody that potentially a listener who's very interested in him. So, okay. uh, I'll keep you posted on that, but he's amazing. That's but the one he's you've a been lot posting the videos about, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So I was able to start him a little sooner because he was sound without shoes. And where, where do the other one, see the videos, Jane? you can go to flyover farm. Flyover is one word. Farm is singular. Flyover farm. <laughs> One farm. Jamie Jennings. How's it spelled, Jamie? How do you spell farm? Is it spelled differently in England or are we spelling it the same over there? It's F E R M. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, certified Monty Roberts instructor. I post videos of all the horses I have in training. Most are adoptable, so you can go and see and pick one from there. And I'm uh, very honest, as is Horse and Hound, and we will tell you everything you need to know about all of them. So there you go. 100 last year. Let's go for 101 this year. Let's, Yay! let's try and break a record. Hey, oh my I God. Have... Can I tell you something super exciting, by the way? Yeah. Um, I got a text message yesterday uh, to see if I would be available for an interview on Thursday with Monty Roberts. He wants to interview me about the racehorses. Huh. And I'm like, what? Yes, I'll make time. Cool. Whenever he's available. I'm like, that's, I mean, that's There's, like really. How many times have you awesome. interviewed Monty? About a hundred. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone's interview me. I think that's great. Hey, I have one of these. (laughs) Man, you are one pathetic loser. Do you remember the story from a couple of years ago, and I think it was Illinois or Indiana, of the lady who stole that money from the town and had her great big farm and a great big trailer, and she stole millions of dollars and ended up going to jail? Rita Rita Crumwell. That's it. Thank you. And why do I know that? It's because my... My veterinarian here in Oklahoma, because she was in the, she would come to Oklahoma all the time. Actually, worked on her horses. Oh. <laughs> is Rita still in jail? Look that up. I'm sure she is. Uh, probably. Yeah. Well, Mildred is 72 years old, and Mildred was an office manager for a construction company in Southwest suburban Lamont, Illinois. Uh, and uh, apparently, what she did is she took a credit card and opened a credit card in the corporate name and used it to charge uh, for personal expenses, get this, Jamie, from 2009 to 2020. She got away with this for 11 years. She was she opened the credit card, didn't tell the corporation about it. She was falsifying the company books and records to hide the fact that she was paying for this credit card that was her own. Uh, and do you want to guess how much money that she stole over those years using this fake credit card? By the way, oh. her credit card is better than ours because we couldn't put this much on our credit card in that amount of time. Well, I, I'm looking at Rita. It's Crundwell. Okay. Rita Crundwell. And she was uh, the comptroller and treasurer of Dixon, Illinois yep, from yep. 83 to 2012. And um, she had RC quarter horses. Yep. And she also, she embezzled $53.7 million well, over the 22 I years tell, to support her. I can tell you Mildred didn't come close to that. I was going to say, I don't think you can be beat. (laughs) Apparently, she only got like seven years in prison, so I don't know if she's still there or not. Well, uh, so this newest one, Mildred, 72 years old, embezzled $2.3 million. Uh, Punishable by 20 years in prison. So that means that she worked there all this time. She started this in 2009. She was 61 when she started embezzling. 
So she must have been planning for her retirement, but apparently she spent it all She uh, because it's a credit card, so she wasn't saving it. Uh, she used it for restaurants, shopping, travel throughout the U.S., and making payments on a private horse farm and uh, show horses. Sound familiar? <laughs> oh, my God. So Crenwall's uh, release date is shown as October 20th, twenty. 20- 29. <laughs> so what do they, how long do these people think that they're not going to get caught? Well, the, the thing is they both got, they didn't get caught for a long time. When they usually, this is when I, I worked at a bank. I was selling securities and things and I was, they brought me and I worked, actually worked at the bank. And one of the things they tell you when you get there to work at a bank is you are required to, to take your vacation. There's no option. You get two weeks vacation, you have to take it because that's when this kind of stuff always comes out is when the person's on vacation because somebody's filling in right and they see something and that's usually when this comes out but yeah i mean you're right how do you get away with this and you know it's going to come out at some point do you think that they just start it a little bit at a time and think well i'll just do a couple thousand dollars and then i'll stop i mean here's the thing is she opened the company credit card and used it for like dinner shopping (laughs) and restaurant like what? Why would you do that? And and the, as punishable by twenty years in prison, like yeah. that's really stupid. I mean, at least if you're gonna come on, at least still fifty three million, Mildred. For God's sake, <laughs> step it up a little. Make bit. it worthwhile. Two point three for dinners. I mean, Rita Crumble had like a full on breeding operation. Yeah. Do you remember we talked about the auction and how much how much stuff Rita had that they sold at that horse auction and the horses and the stuff and just everything? Well, there'll be another private horse farm going up for sale here shortly and. Illinois. We'll let you know what we find out. But yeah, there's another one. Again, how do they think? I don't know. Maybe a lot of people do get away with it. We just don't hear about them, obviously. I think they all get caught. You're all going to get caught eventually. Uh, Jamie's been embezzling from B for years, and I don't know about it either. So Yeah, uh, I'm still broke. my, (laughs) My wife is my accountant. Do you think she's embezzling? Do you think so? I'm sure she is buying all that stuff for the horses. I'm sure. Hey, state <laughs> line tech. Hey, if you wife. are embezzling and using the corporate credit card, I know a company you can go to buy stuff at. It's oh, statelinetech.com. Sure <laughs> it's statelinetech.com. And they have all their winter stuff up right now. A lot of it's on sale. They have an end of the year blanket sale going on right now, which I know a lot of you are in the midst of just some frigid icy, cold, snowy weather. Your blankets are tearing. The ones you kept for the last five years and said, I can get another season out of them aren't making it anymore. Well, they have Amigo blankets over there starting at $64. That's down 61%. They have Kensington blankets and Shires blankets, uh, just pages of them, actually. I'm I'm going down to the bottom. They have eight pages of blankets on sale right now. 43%, 44%. They have Weatherbeater blankets at 45%. I saw one of the auditors asking, where should I go to buy blankets? Well, right now, head to Stateline Tack and head to the sale page. It's right there on the homepage. You'll find a link to it. And you're going to find, they have the ones we have, the WeatherTech ComfortTech blankets, the standard neck. They also have the uh, long neck that go up to the ears. They're at 41% off right now. Down oh, to $97. So yeah, you, you definitely want to uh, head on over there. And they have something called a free e certificate too with some of these purchases. You're going to have to check out that what that what that is. Uh, bonus free with purchase. I don't know what it is. You're going to have to check. Okay, it out. how many of these Weatherbeater dang Comfortech blankets I have, and now they're on sale for ninety four dollars, and I think I've paid one hundred and thirty for most of them. 
dang it. And you know what else they have is that I really love um, the dry shod mm. Arctic. The the dry shod boots are amazing, and yeah, they're expensive. But That's what I you wear know what? actually. I wear the men's version of that. If you're looking for, for yeah, they are they aren't cheap, but uh, the dry shod boots I've been wearing mine for a long time. I've yeah. had mine for two years now, and the dry shod I have the haymakers. Oh my god, they're amazing! But they have the Arctic Storm boots, which are. And the- if you're a man looking for a boot and can't find it, they make men's boots. So, yeah, they also have those on sale at Stateline yeah. Tech. Yep, so they make the men's as well, which are hard to find sometimes. Uh, so StatelineTech.com, go check them out today. It's that time I'd like to welcome to the show January, the author and owner of The Fat Pony. Hello, January. Hi there. Thank you for joining us. Tell us where in the world you are right now. I am in southwest England near Gloucester. Gloucester. Okay, perfect. I didn't, uh, I always mispronounce that. So I'm glad you said it. Uh, yes. So tell us about your fat pony. Obviously fat pony was not available to talk today. Very busy eating breakfast. So tell us about fat pony. Well, fat pony, I mean, really actually isn't fat or a pony. He just <laughs> sort of got the nickname as it were, because he acts like a fat pony because he's always hungry. And, and, Really, he's not either of those. Um, he is coming up 22 now. He's a halflinger. Um, I've owned him for nearly 20 years. And he's just the biggest personality I think I've ever met in a horse. I think what I noticed when I was going through the Fat Pony's Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Fat Pony, is the Fat Pony needs to be renamed the Mud Pony. <laughs> Yes, this is true. He does spend much of the winter in a state of brown rather than the usual glossy color he is. I mean, it's amazing. And tell us a little bit about what you have, because it seems like you have more than just a fat pony. You have lots of ponies. Yes, I do. I have the fat pony and then I have his cousin, which is another halflinger. That's the middle sized pony. Um, Although actually he's nearly the same height now. He was christened the middle sized pony when I got him because he was a bit smaller. And then I've got um, who I fondly term the midgets, two miniature Shetlands as well. Miniature Shetlands. I didn't even know that they had miniature Shetlands. Yes, their um, standard Shetlands are up to 42 inches and miniature Shetlands are usually around 34 inches high. So they really are teeny tiny. What do you do with all of these friends of yours? Well, I'm very lucky because they live at home. So um, at the moment, my work life is actually mostly afternoons. So I take the halflingers for rides most mornings and I take the Shetlands for walks in between time as well. Amazing. So what are your goals? Like, what is a day in the life of the Fat Pony then? Oh, goodness me. Well, he does all sorts, really. I mean, he's was semi-retired right up to um, when we had our first lockdown here in England and I decided that I was going to get him fit again and he actually goes out and competes when we're allowed now he's um, currently national halflinger veteran champion um, he, he does all sorts really and then the middle-sized pony usually goes out and does dressage I mean I, I try and go out most weekends obviously we can't at the moment but yeah we do an awful lot actually they're kept very busy so when you say he's the champion in in what what does he do? 
Um, well, it's, it was a veteran show class, so we did an in-hand class at the um, Halflinger National Show um, in the autumn here in, in the UK, and he won his veteran class, and um, he was reserve champion in the ridden veteran class, so that was any Halflinger over the age of 15. Are Halflingers popular over there? Yeah, I mean, there's not that many in the UK, but um, the society itself um, is a very close-knit community. And there there are a few around, yes. And they're, they're such good all-round ponies. Um, they're, they're certainly gaining in popularity. Did you have one as a kid? Is that why you wanted uh, Halflingers now? No, I wasn't allowed a pony as a kid, actually. <laughs> I, had, I had lots of other things to do. But I went to Austria, oh gosh, must be about 25 years ago now, and saw halflingers, and I thought, oh, well, I'm grown up now. I can do what I want. So I bought one, and that was that was the fat pony. That's a, that's rebellion at its finest, right there, Glenn. Yeah. I couldn't have them as a kid, so I'm just gonna get a I'm pile get of twelve them of them now. <laughs> yes, definitely. And and the fat pony. I mean, let, let's before I get to the books, I want to say, does does the middle pony have any sort of like emotional baggage because he's the middle one, like? You know, I mean, middle children have issues. I was How a middle him? kid. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, me too. He, he, he's absolutely fine. Um, I mean, in secret, he, he's because he's the younger model. He goes out and does more. So he doesn't really feel left behind. Um, so, no, he's fine. <laughs> okay, know, good. Just checking. You know, Just I get check. in trouble for saying that some breeds all look alike, but halflingers don't look alike. They really do. <laughs> yes. Well, they're, they're all genetically the same color, which is flax and chestnut. Um, I mean, there are variations in that color, but because they all descend from one original horse, and if you breed flax and chestnut to flax and chestnut, that's what you get. So, I mean, they are very, very different when you get up close but from a distance yes they do look quite similar so there's a there's a lot of books glenn that uh that january has written and i love the titles and the pictures that go along with them what was the first book you wrote about the fat pony that was oh gosh now i would remember it it was i think it was the adventures mishaps and musings i think that's what it's called Scott. <laughs> a long time ago i mean it was they they were all taken. I started off with the, a blog that wasn't on Facebook, and then he got his own Facebook page. And then someone said, well, why don't you put all the posts together and make a book? So I did. And that was really popular. So I sort of every few years, I gathered together what I'd written and then made up some new stuff and thought of some silly stories that he'd done. I mean, they're all they're all based in facts, every single one of them. And, um, yeah, I just decided that it would be fun to look back on what he'd done over the years in book form. The titles are so great, Glenn. Like, um, first, uh, there's the Adventures, Mishaps, and Musings, the first one. But then he started to ask questions. Like, the Fat Pony, has anyone seen my Halo? (laughs) Uh, Yes. I like that that one. Particularly naughty year, that one. (laughs) Uh, I, I and I think my favorite is the picture is from the back of the fat pony and he's looking down into what I guess is a, a muddy puddle and it's yeah. called the fat pony. There are sharks in that puddle. <laughs> yes, yes that, that came from um, a flood we had a few years ago down the road and just he absolutely would not go through the puddle. And eventually I got off and waded in and, and started to pull. And then he jumped in. And, and yes, I got very, very wet. Um, 
the I think that the turn for the fat pony happened. Obviously, the fat pony, the slim years. Tell us about the slim years. Well, he was diagnosed with borderline Cushing's um, back in 2013, I think it was. And, you know, they offered me medication and said, you're going to have to change his diet. And I thought, actually, I'm going to just see if I can do this myself without filling him full of um, pills and things like that. And so, I mean, he, he always did put weight on very easily, but I basically halved his rations and made him do more work. And he's not, you know, he's not got any worse. I mean, that's eight years ago now. And he's as fit as a fiddle and very healthy. And that, that was the catalyst, actually, the vet saying, well, you know, he's got to be fitter and he's got to be slimmer. Yeah, the, gotcha. fat, the p- fat pony, I mean, he made his name being a fat pony and then it almost killed him. So now it should be the not so fat pony. Yes. Yes. Everyone says he's not really. I mean, he's not ever really been fat. He's been a bit chubby in places, but he's never been fat. Yeah, I say fat. that about my pony too, and mm-hmm. I think kind of he's been really. You fat. say that about yourself? <laughs> yes, Who are you true. kidding? <laughs> That's true. Um. All right. So January, where can people go and learn more about the Fat Pony or find these books? Well, there's always his Facebook page, as you mentioned earlier, which is www.facebook.com forward slash the Fat Pony. Or if you want to buy any books, they're available exclusively on a self-publishing site. It's um, www.lulu.com. And if you um, search for The Fat Pony, they'll all come up there. I have a question before January goes, though. January, we... Jamie started a a controversy uh, with our listeners, and we want to get your opinion. In England, when a horse is gray, how is that word spelled? How is the word gray spelled? G-R-E-Y. That's how I'd spell it. There you go. Okay, one vote for G-R-E-Y. You know what? But I know what your next sentence is going to be. Well, I guess you could spell it G-R-A-Y. That's pretty much what everybody says. It's one or the other. (laughs) And then maybe you could do the other one, too. So uh, it's good to know. So we haven't solved it yet because over here it's G-R-A-Y. Yeah, I would say I don't know anyone who would spell it like that. Yeah, I think it's almost exclusively EY. But we spell schedule wrong, too. So there's that, (laughs) you know. It is. It's true. Well, January, thank you so much. Please go give the fat pony a sugar. The not so fat pony. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's it's tea time over here in England because it's coming up to four o'clock. So I've got to go and give. So crumpets for the fat pony. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks a bunch. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma wound ointment is a must-have in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and keeps flies out of wounds. You'll find that with consistent use, you'll see a noticeable progression of steady healing every day. Plus, it's a great treatment regimen for common skin rashes and sores. And we've had so many guests on that have said that they use the Equiderma wound ointment. They swear by it. They use it for everything, and these are professional riders. I know a lot of our listeners use the Equiderma products of all kinds, and there was actually a post over the holidays of people buying Equiderma stuff. You can find all of it at Equiderma.com. That's Equiderma products at Equiderma.com. 
Well, I promised a monolith story and we're going to go see the one in Vermont because it was in Vermont on a small place called Riverside Farm and um, it, it disappeared. But then somebody brought it back, Glenn. I don't know how they were able to, but the problem is it had some scratches and, and, and they think that somebody went to like resurface it to try to get the scratches out of it. And in Vermont, Glenn, how do scratches appear on a metal, tall, triangular shaped object that stands high in the sky? I have two guesses. How do they get scratches? Bear or how? mooses? That that would be good guesses, but no, it was a dude named Tucker Zink who <laughs> decided that he was going to snowboard up the front of it, <laughs> do some wicked tricks and get some awesome photos for Insta. So um, Tucker would, said he didn't take it. He didn't rotate it, but he is glad that it is back. Um, he said, I'm sorry it got scratched up, but things happen. God, there's quote. been so many that have popped up and nobody has seen this happening. Um, because it's the aliens. aliens. They're actually coming out of the ground. That's what happens is they erupt. So the aliens I... have been living in the earth the whole time, right beneath our feet? No, they just hit the button like, okay, <laughs> take over time. They've been here for millions of years. Um, You know, in the world of things not to do, this would be the thing not to do. Um. There's a woman, and they they haven't said her her name or anything, but it was on TikTok, and it became a really viral video when the I'm gonna call him a d bag boyfriend goes to his girlfriend and he he sets a video camera up for TikTok, and he bends down and he gets on one knee, and he proposes to her and he hands her the ring. And, and and he pops a question and she she immediately tears up and she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And she holds her face, hands up to her face in shock. And her partner says, I love you so much. It's been six years. Will you please have these earrings? What a dick. <laughs> So it's gone viral on TikTok. So basically, he pretends he's proposing a fake proposal. You never do and a fake proposal. That never don't goes do well. That. Especially after don't. six years and you haven't proposed yet. Not good. Um, Six years. And somebody replied, absolutely not. Throw the whole boy away. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him away. So I'm sure we'll get updated on that because it is interesting to know, like, if, uh, th there's no way she can what stay. What idiot thinks that's a good idea? And to film it and to put it on TikTok. And he's been slayed repeatedly. And there is a video, the TikTok video is still up. You can see it. Okay, if you so do you think she was in on it? And this is all just a hoax to get hits or views. Um, watching the video, it did not appear that she was in on it. Mm. Like, she was like, so, sh I mean, I don't know. You know, people do things, but like, I still think he's a dick no matter I what. I think that uh, Chad wouldn't be your husband right now if he had done that. What a ter six years. Ugh. <laughs> What a jerk. Well, I don't think he would have waited six years either. So there's that. There's, <laughs> there's also that. We're going to head to Canberra, Australia, and uh, head to Cam Faust and fellow recreational fisher Kev Joyner were outside fishing. Okay, and they were setting up crab traps from their dinghy in the mangroves on the outskirts of the city north of Dar the northern city of Darwin. And 
they hear is somebody yelling. Is that what you said? Australia. Australia. Okay, got it. And they heard yelling, please, somebody help me. I'm in trouble. And um, they rode their little dinghy over underneath a tree. And they see a man who is sitting on a tree branch that has climbed up that also, mind you, is completely naked. <laughs> um, a naked man in a tree, br- tree branch in like a recreational fishing area covered in mud, cuts and insect bites. And he said that he had been there for four days. In a tree? In a tree. And he survived by eating snails and has used (laughs) his clothes for bits and pieces over the way. The guy says it didn't make sense to us. He had a nest in the tree and he was only laying a meter above the water. But reason he was staying in the tree? Crocodiles. <laughs> He's like, I see a crocodile. And the guy was like, uh, he was only like a couple inches over the water and I didn't see any crocodiles. So he probably could have just got down. get to the tree? <laughs> they said they thought he must have had a big night after New Year's got lost and <laughs> had himself a mischief in the bush. A mischief said. in the bush. I like that. That's the name of a new uh, Lifetime movie, Mischief in the Bush. Fox said that the, the the fisherman said he stripped down to his underwear and handed Voss Grensky his shorts. And he said, you know what he looked like he needed? He needed a beer. So he gave him a beer. <laughs> he gave him clothes and a beer. And um, he will apparently be in court soon because apparently he assaulted somebody on New Year's. So probably he was hiding. Oh, but they got himself yeah. in trouble. He ran into to the bush to hide. I just that just put that on the list of awesome. Uh, somewhere awesome. along the way, his clothes got lost. So yeah, I don't know what happened. They said he was in. A, he made a nest. I uh, think the bush of Australia is not a place I'd want to be with no clothes. Just saying. No, no I no, no, I don't want to. No, no, no. Okay, last one? one. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about Nela Zisser, former. Apparently, this is a thing. Miss Earth, New Zealand. Okay. Miss Earth. I didn't know there was a Miss Earth pageant. Uh, And she was Miss Earth New Zealand. And she's also a medical student. But she also has a little bit of a pastime that she likes to do. Um, She is 28. Obviously, she's very pretty. And she's very thin. And she's beautiful. And um, she is a professional eater. And she just got the world record for eating chicken nuggets. <laughs> she devoured. Now, this is in uh, New Zealand that she did it. So it's 10.5 ounces, gulped down 298 grams of chicken nuggets uh, in a minute. So that's 16 chicken nuggets in one minute. I don't know. I feel like somebody could beat that. That doesn't seem like a lot to me. Apparently, it's a Guinness Book of World Records. 16 huh. chicken nuggets in a minute. I feel like Lucas could beat that. Huh. You know, I told you I follow a uh, professional eater on, on YouTube. Okay. I came across, I don't know how, it's Katina Eats Kilos. And she just does these videos every week where she eats massive. I mean, it makes, you know, it, this is massive amounts of food. She's like five foot tall and a bodybuilder and, you know, skinny. 
she's not fat in any way, shape, or form. And uh, so she goes, she travels the country doing this, joining other professional eaters. Like, like the last one I watched, she ate a five-pound burrito in like 20 minutes. That's no. five pounds of burrito. Th- this is why I'm bringing it up. She has a total right now of 25 million views on her videos. She's making bank on doing these videos. I hope she monetized it. Well, yeah. she's making money on just doing the videos, just on YouTube. Uh, I, we're doing it wrong. We, we we have the wrong shtick. Because... We are, because there's some more videos of this beauty queen, Nayla Zisser. She ate 50 shrimp dumplings at a Chinese restaurant in three minutes and five seconds. She also has down 100 pieces of sushi in an internet competition. Okay, well, I found... All right, I, got, I went to my girl, Katina, there. And uh, how many did chicken nuggets did she do? Yours? Um, let's see. She ate 16 nuggets, 298 grams of nuggets in one minute. Okay. This girl did a hundred chicken nuggets in 10 minutes. Well, I think 16 in one minute. I'm no mathematician, <laughs> but that sounds like more. <laughs> more a minute. This so, girl only got 10 a minute. Ugh, this led me so down worried. a rabbit hole of how many professional eaters are there on YouTube. There are a lot. <laughs> I was shocked I was... at the number of people who are professional eaters that go out and eat these large quantities, video it, and make a fortune on YouTube. This is a medical student. Like, don't you feel like somewhere in medical school they should tell you that this is not healthy? <laughs> I don't. I think it's all about the views. It's just we're in a living in a world that's all about the views, and you and I are doing it wrong. We do not have twenty five million listens to this show. You um, know what? Somebody bring me some Twizzlers. You need I'll, five pound I'll burrito. We'll make it a vegetarian burrito. We can do that, and we'll see how you mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, you know, I'm gonna do. Well, a, although it have to be corn because you're not eating bread, and now it's complicated because we we'll have to put tofu in it. It's just too complicated. Forget I asked. Yeah. Yeah. Forget that. Hey, I, I have a list for you since it's Wednesday. Do you want to hear the list? Can we save it for the auditors because we have a guest? To get oh to. yeah, we can do that. That's All right. Oh, Let's get to our guest. We have our next guest is brought to you by by Black Rains. Our Black Rains guest of the month is Abe Morris. Abe was a bull rider in the early days of African Americans competing in bull riding. He became the first black cowboy to earn an official announcer's card with the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association and announced at the world-famous Cheyenne Frontier Days Rodeo as a television commentator for nine consecutive years. He's also the author of several books, a financial planner, and now a motivational speaker. And he also makes cookies and sells them, and you can buy them. And I want to buy them because I went to his website, and they look absolutely delicious. But what a life he's led, and we're going to talk to him next. Well, Abe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me this morning. Now, most interviews with you probably start with your history as what, you know, as one of the first really successful African-American bull riders and all of that. But I'm all about the food. So let's skip right to your cookies. Uh, so <laughs> we have a guy that went from being a, one of the toughest guys in the country as a bull rider all the way to making cookies and selling them now. So uh, when did you d- discover you were a baker? Well, I after I graduated from college, I was, you know, I was single. I love chocolate chip cookies. My sister Janice used to bake them a lot when I was a kid growing up and you know, of course when you start baking cookies in the house, the smells waffle and we would just migrate to the kitchen and start stealing cookies. So after I graduated from college, 
I thought, man, I like chocolate chip cookies. I don't have anybody to bake them for me. So I just got a recipe and I started baking them and I just tweaked them and tweaked them and tweaked them over the years and I have the final product now. You know what I heard in all of that, being a guy? I heard it was a way to pick up women, that if you brought them chocolate chip cookies, you were guaranteed to get a date. <laughs> I've tried. I'm still... uh I've kind of, I'm still single right now, so uh, <laughs> anybody out there wants to latch on to me, I'm I'm fine with that. You I'm, know what that I'm says? You need to step up your cookie game. I know. We need a different kind of cookie, maybe. Maybe some, you know, a different variety of cookie. Well, I have three varieties. I actually have four now. Do I you? just started baking another one. Yeah, just uh, actually, yeah, even 10 days ago, I just started baking a, another variety, so I'm going to add that to my list, and... Everybody that's tested them, I kind of, you know, hand them out, and people like them. And so I'm going to have four different varieties now in What's the fourth? Okay, well, first it was just chocolate chips. Then it was chocolate chips with, I say pecan. I know a lot of people say pecan, but I say chocolate chips with pecans. Thank you. Let me stop you. I am from Georgia, and thank you for saying it the right way. It's a pecan. Okay, that's what I've been saying. I'm from New Jersey. But anyway, (laughs) then last year... I started baking a cinnamon snickerdoodle with white chocolate chips, oh, and people good. loved those. They raved over them. Oh, so. I'd marry you. Go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, and then just uh, like I said, about a week ago, I went to a friend's house in Texas, and uh, I was down there for the, the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, and they baked some chocolate chip cookies with pecans and uh, what else did they put in there? They put in oatmeal. And so I fell in love with them. She had a whole variety of cookies. And once I you know, tested those, she's like, well, help yourself to the other ones. I said, nope, this is all I want. I said, and then I told them, I said, I'm going to start baking these for myself. And they're like, we don't care. So I came home and I did it. So that's going to be my fourth variety now. You're like me, uh, because I often say that if you're stealing from me, you're stealing twice. And Abe, it sounds like you and I are just alike. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I told them up, up front. I said, uh, and they sent me the recipe too in the mail. And I, I really didn't even follow it. I just looked at it just to see what they used. And I just used my basic core recipe, and all I did was just add the, you know, the pecans and the the oatmeal. But I liked them; I loved them. And so I'm thinking, if people like them as much as I like them, or if people love them as much as I love them, you know, they're going to be a hit. So I'm going to have, and it's it's kind of funny because when I first started doing cookies, I was pretty adamant that I was only going to stick to my two basics. But now I have four, and the more that people tell me how much they enjoy it, I'm going to keep baking them all. So I'm going to have four really, really good variety of cookies now. Well, Abe, have you ever heard of the show Nailed It? Because I think you should be on it. It's my favorite show. I never, I never have heard of it. And I, my son wanted me to go on Shark Tank years ago, but I said, you know, if I go on Shark Tank, they'll love the cookies, but, you know, they there are numbers, and uh, they are numbers group, and, and I don't have the – the backing right now, I can say, well, okay, well, I go to these rodeos and I sell out, but they want more than that. But, you know, it's a step-by-step process. I'll get there slowly but surely, but I will make it, I'm going to say, to the top one of these days. All right, go look at Netflix and Nailed It, and you'll you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Go ahead. And where can you find the cookies, and then we'll go on to the rest of your incredible life, (laughs) because there's so much to talk about. I I have a website, and I'm just... 
you know, when I first set up the website, the the guy, one of my coworkers set up the website, he put a counter on there and it gets hit, you know, almost, well, every day it goes up and I'm like, wow. But I've, I've looked at the numbers and he set the website up in like November, 2018. And the cookie website has over 22,600 hits. And the apemars.com has over 36,500 hits. And that's just a little over two years. But he told me that you can't just go on there and click, 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 click. He said every time you get a hit, it's from a different IP address. So um, I don't have a PayPal on my cookie website. And the reason why, I've I've gained enough publicity through just going to rodeos and being on television and all that. They would hammer me if I was to put a open. <laughs> so you'd be doing this cooking. There. You'd be baking. Yeah, twenty-four hours a day. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to keep up. <laughs> well, I have a full-time job, and so and I work a lot of times. I work six days a week, and I don't want to bake every single Sunday because number one, I wouldn't be able to keep up, and I don't want it to get to where it's when it's no more fun. Then I won't enjoy it, and I want to keep. You know, it's a passion right now, so I have to pace myself. And I do really well by myself. But, I mean, I'll be honest. I do honestly know that I won't be super successful until I get a business partner. And, you know, that could be a girlfriend. That could be a significant <laughs> other. But I do need – I do need – I'm being honest. I need someone to physically help me bake and market these cookies. Okay, and ladies. I get to that point – he, he's mentioned it a couple times now. It's CowboyShootoutCookies.com. What the heck does a guy from New Jersey decide he wants to get on a bull? How does that happen? Uh, you said, okay, said that you said a guy from New Jersey decides he wants to to ride a bull. How does a good oh, okay. kid from New Jersey go? I, I think I just want to ride a bull. That that's not something you hear a lot. Okay, it didn't happen like that, and it wasn't overnight. What happened was I was a I lived in New Jersey, and my I have four older cousins, and they only lived like 200, 150 yards away from a, a rodeo arena. It was in, it's called Cowtown Rodeo, and it's in Woodstown, oh, yeah. New Jersey. And that's a popular my one. My dad sent, yeah, yeah, my dad sent me there to stay with my cousins for the whole summer before I ever went to kindergarten. So I was only like five years old, and I stayed with those guys for like four, about three months in the summer. And they were into it. They were riding horses and ponies and calves and stuff like that. And they just, they worked on me. I say, you know, they bribed me. You know, they'd tell me to get on stuff and I wouldn't. So they would say, okay, we'll give you a candy bar. We'll give you a soda. You know, we'll give you 25 cents, you know, stuff like that. And over the course of the summer, you know, I finally agreed that I wanted to, to be like my cousins because they were my heroes. So they looked out for me. They were my coaches. They wouldn't let me get on anything that would hurt me. And it just one thing led to another. So that's how I, I started. But at first, I had, I didn't want to be a cowboy. I can tell you that right now. I, there was no way. What did you want to be? You oh. went to college, and you got a business degree and all of that. But what what did you want to be before you ended up a cowboy? Uh, I thought I was going to be a NFL football player because I was pretty fast. I mean, I was all through you know school years. Whenever we had races, nobody could outrun me. And uh, I thought maybe I'd like to go to the NFL and play football and stuff like that. But I never got to be big enough to be a running back. But I was always fast. And whenever, you know, I did play football. I mean, I, you know, I set a record like 30 years ago when I played football. And 
to this day, it still hasn't been broken. It was a record for a kickoff return yardage, and nobody's ever broke my record. But I mean, I didn't think it would be, I didn't think it would last this long. But I honestly don't know if anybody ever will break it. I was pretty fast, and they, my teammates used to tease me and tell me the reason why I was so fast is because I was so used to running away from all those bulls. <laughs> well, you know, you do. Uh, speaking of broken, you pick two things: bull riding and football that do break bones and beat up your body really good. Oh yeah, I mean, in, in bull riding, we always said. I mean, we learned too. It was, uh, it's not if you get hurt, because all of us have been hurt seriously. But it's 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 not if you get hurt; it's when. Yeah, that's and true. Of horseback bad. riding, period. Right? We're all gonna get. We all get hurt at some point in life. Uh, you know, it's just the nature of what we do. Were there a lot of African Americans riding bull when you started? Not really. There was a group of guys just that lived in Woodstown that kind of, you know, a friend thing, you know, like there was, like I said, there was three of my, well, there's four cousins, but three of them competed in rodeo. They were the walkers. It was Gene, Jimmy Lee, Willie Ed, and their, their mom and my dad are sister and brother. So basically, you know, my, their, their mom's maiden name was Morris. And so, you know, it was just a group of us that got started. And then some of our friends got started and, you know, I, I ended up writing a book, and we took a group photo. Uh, I think it was in the 70s. We took a group photo. There was about 10 to 12 of us in that group photo. We were all competing in rodeo. So, But I haven't met very many. I mean, I have met other black cowboys throughout the nation, but, you know, when I retired from bull riding, I thought that rodeo was going to grow, grow, grow as far as the black cowboys. But as far as I'm concerned now, it seems like there's less – African-American black cowboys involved in rodeo than there was when I retired. Were you treated with any kind of respect back then? This was the 60s and 70s, right? Uh, was was that the era? I'd say probably the 70s okay. more was when I, I went to college in the mid-70s. And yeah. when I showed up at the University of Wyoming, the guys teased me. They didn't tease me out of, you know, like I had T-shirts and stuff like that that said rodeo. And these guys didn't believe me. They said there's no such thing as a black cowboy. And, uh <laughs> You know, there was a football. Oh, yeah, they, they, a couple guys. It was just a couple guys. But this one guy, you know, one day I showed him my photo album, and, and he was on the football team. And once I showed him my album, he just cursed up a storm. Look at this, blank, blank, blank. And he told the whole football team. And then after that, these guys were reaching out to me. I'd be sitting in the cafeteria eating, and big old football player would walk up to me. Hey, man, I want to shake your hand. I've never met a black cowboy before, so... They were my my best, uh, you know, my fans after that because the rodeo was right on campus, and they'd come over and, and cheer me on and stuff like that. So it was great. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I was kind of a quiet little skinny guy from New Jersey, but once they found out I rode bulls and, and I started doing well, like in, let me think what year it was, 78, I think I won the college rodeo right there at the University of Wyoming in Laramie, and I had a big write-up just – the day before the rodeo that said I was this superstar rodeo bull rider, but it wasn't true because I hadn't really done anything. But, you know, then I turned out and I won the bull ride. So I lived up to the status of that article. <laughs> so, And then you, you actually retired from rodeo and went on to be announcer for a, for a lot of years. And as I said, you were one of the first uh, Afri African-American announcers too, right, in the rodeo world. Uh, yeah, there were other African-American announcers. They announced just, you know, 
the black rodeos, but as far as the PRCA, which is the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, and they're based in Colorado Springs, I am the first uh, black announcer that was certified to announce you know professional rodeos. So they'll never take that away from me. I was the first the first black announcer. I announced Cheyenne Frontier Days for eight years for it was actually Prime Sports Network, and then it became Fox Sports. Yeah. But I did it as a commentator for eight eight consecutive years. The first year I did it was 1989, and that was when Lane Frost got killed. And I, I was the last person to ever interview him on camera. I was still competing, and I broke down. I cried like a little baby. Did you did you get out of riding just because your body was breaking down, or mentally you needed to stop? What was it? Both. I was getting older, and I knew I couldn't <laughs> take it anymore. And they, as a saying amongst rodeo people, they say the ground— the ground didn't get harder. It's just, uh, yeah. well, they basically say, you know, yeah, that's a little saying about that. They talk about, yeah, I just, uh, they said, I didn't quit or I just, you know, whatever. But they said that ground just started getting too hard. That's what it boiled down yeah, to. Yeah, and you get you to our age, we don't bounce years. as well either. You, you do bounce no. more when you're younger. It's true. <laughs> it's... That's true. And, you, and it takes longer to heal. So yeah. Yeah, it was both. I was, I was about ready to quit. And then I, bull hit me and they thought I fractured my hip but they couldn't find any breaks, but I couldn't walk. I mean, I had to learn to walk all over again. I could not walk. I was on crutches for about six weeks, and my hip would pop really, really loud for about three or four months. But that was what took me out. And after that, I said, okay, this guy told me, he was a friend of mine. He told me, he said, look, you've gone about as far as you can go. He said, if you ever get hurt and injured that hip again, he said, if you think it hurt the first time, wait till you do it again. But he said, you've gone about as far as you can go. And he said, he said, it takes a braver man to walk away from the sport than it does to come back and do it again. And, and I took his advice. I quit. I never got on another bull. Yeah. And in those days you weren't making the money that some of these guys are making big bucks right now on the rodeo circuit. And you know, there wasn't that kind of money back then, was there? I mean, you weren't driving million dollar motorhomes. No, and we didn't have the sponsors either that these guys do. I mean, you look at the rodeo guys now, and they're they wear shirts and they're all decorated like NASCAR. They have sponsor logos all over their shirts. But no, towards the end of my career, a few guys got sponsors, but they were few and far between. But no, we didn't have the money. I mean, like when I was competing, there was a thing called bull riders only that lasted for a few years, and after that, the, the PBR started professional bull riders started and yeah they make mega bucks like the guy that wins the pbr now wins a million dollars for the whole year and they get to fly around and compete on the weekends and you know then go to an event and win thirty thousand dollars in one weekend i mean you know most americans don't even make that in a whole year right yeah you're right and i know it has changed and you, you do see these guys and their rigs sometimes and you realize hmm there's money in that <laughs> oh yeah there's money now and then they have sponsors and then you go with the wrangler national finals rodeo too those guys win a lot of money. I think the guy that won the all-around this year, Stetson Wright, won over $300,000 plus, and he has lots of sponsors, and he has brothers, and their whole family is, they're all very talented rodeo, you know, rodeo guys. There's world champions all throughout their family. It's the Wright family. They're from uh, Utah. The, and they love my cookies, too. <laughs> you wrote a, <laughs> they love them. You wrote a couple books, My Cowboy Hat Still Fits, and Humps and Horns Bull Riding Magazine. You've written for them, a column for them for a number of years. You also wrote another book, Justin, A Father's Flight for His Son. Are the books still available? Are they still in print? Yeah, they're still available. They're still in print. I've sold a lot more of the rodeo books 
then I have the uh, the book, but the, you know the Justin book was a was just a horrible to me. It was a horrible divorce custody fight to get my son. I mean, I eventually, you know, the judge eventually granted me custody. I mean, it's sad but true. But it was such a horrible thing. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But when you think about it, you know, when a judge grants you permanent custody and takes the visitation privileges away from his mother, that's a pretty bad situation. But I met the court system, the New Jersey court system, and I'll just pinpoint them and tell you it was Union County, New Jersey court system beat me up worse than any bull ever thought about it. And it was horrible. What they did to me was illegal. But, you know, I survived. I got beat up. I'm back. I'm blessed. And uh, believe it or not, I'm going to write one more book. I saw that. You have one more. We'll end on that. What's the next book you want to write? It's going to be, it's going to incorporate everything just about, you know, being beat up, being down, being out, being a black rodeo cowboy and now having a, a, a cookie business that's going to flourish long after I'm dead and gone. There's no doubt in my mind that I've established enough clients already that, you know, I want my son Justin to take over the business one of these days. But this is my thing. I don't really even care if I get rich off of this cookie business. I just don't want to ever financially struggle again. But I want to be able to pass it on to my family members. I'd like to employ them down the road and, uh, you know, be famous like Famous Amos or somebody like that. I really I really believe it. Oh, seriously, because the cookies are good. And I've had multiple people tell me how good they are. And people, they've even encouraged me to quit my job so I can do this full time. But I'm like, no, I work for the VA, which is the Department of Veterans Affairs. I'm not walking away from my job until it's time for me to retire from the VA. But once I leave the VA, I'll be baking cookies on a full-time basis, and then I'll have all kinds of PayPal's and all those things set up, and I will be ready for people to bombard me. But right now, I can't bake cookies and, and work my job, but I'm not leaving my job. Well, I'm going to have to get a dozen of your cookies just so I can eat them on the air here and tell everybody how wonderful they are. You notice I, I said. I you notice I said we're not sending Jamie the cookies. I said I'm going to have to get the cookies and try them on the air. That's <laughs> they're they're addicting, and I, I'm not telling you this. I've had so many people tell me these are the best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had in my life, and I tell people too. You know, I don't want to be sarcastic, but I'll tell them I'll give them cookies. You know, kind of like the crack cocaine dealer. You know, I know that's kind of a bad saying, but. I'll give you a cookie and give you get you addicted, and then I tell them later on if you want more, I'll tell you like the movie Jerry Maguire. You got to show me the money. <laughs> and on that, we're going to end it. It's Cowboy uh, Shootoutcookies dot com is where you can find it. You can. Uh, we'll also put links to your books if somebody wants to catch one of the books. We'll put that uh, in there as well. So thank you, Abe. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for the interview. I appreciate your time and. Uh, I just hope that, you know, things will go well for me, and I just thank God that I'm in the position where I am, and things will continue to improve. Thanks, Abe. Appreciate it. And, of course, uh, all of our guests are brought to you uh, in this segment by Black Rains Magazine. Go to blackrainsmag.com. You can find all the information there. Uh, Black Rains TV, Black Rains Magazine, and they've been doing this with us now for almost two years, and we really appreciate them bringing us guests here every month. And he's single, ladies, That's so right. go yeah. get it. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> I want cookies now. I really do. See, you can't have cookies, so I didn't add you to that. I can't have them for a month. I can freeze them. <laughs> I'm sure he'll send you some next month. And uh, mm-hmm. I will eat the dozen myself, though, just to taste test them. Uh, it's very brave of you. I know. I'll happily do that. I really will. Well, that's it for what are we doing in the post show for auditors? I have a list, mm. a list of the banished words. That's an actual 
thing. There's a banished words list, and I've oh, got these the are top like 10. Uh, words that became popular. Oh, that list ought to be good. Did they all involve COVID uh, this this year? You'll have to stick around and find <laughs> out. <laughs> My guess is yes, a lot of them do. All right, thank you everybody for joining us. We appreciate it. Tomorrow we have the driving show, and then we'll be back here with the first really bad ads on Friday. And I have to tell you that uh, horse lovers submitted the prizes. We have some good prizes for this month, and we'll announce those on Friday as well. So thanks for joining us. All right, Spade Neuter Geld.